This is Not Your Average Financial Podcast, Episode 217, Top 10 Tough Questions When You Bank on Yourself, Part 1. Traditional financial planning is no longer working. And in the new normal economy, your host, certified financial planner Mark Willis, invites you to join us as we engage the new and improved steps for establishing financial sanity. Be curious, be stable, be sane. This is Not Your Average Financial Podcast, helping you think different about your money, your economy, and your future. Welcome, everybody, to this week's episode. I want to get real with you for just a second here as we get started. Some people wonder if when you start a podcast like we've done here, uh, that you somehow and immediately get all of the answers to life. Uh, you think maybe you might think that after 200 plus episodes about describing some of these counterintuitive financial strategies that all of my own questions have been answered and that I can answer any questions someone might ask. Of course not. Nothing could be further from the truth. So what I'd like to do with this episode and the next episode is to cover the top 10 toughest questions that I've had and that I hear other people asking us, my, that would be me and other Bank on Yourself professionals as they explore Bank on Yourself. And I wanna just say thank you to Jim Conrad, uh, another Bank on Yourself professional who's been a repeat guest on our podcast, as well as Pamela Yellen for their contributions to this episode and the next one as well. So let's get right on into it. Tough question number one. This one starts this way. It's a question that I hear pretty often and it goes something like this. You know, Mark, I know I should have started this bank on yourself thing, say 20 years ago, even 10 years ago, but it takes nine years for the cash value on this policy to break even with my contributions. And I don't have 10 years to wait. I've got to retire right now. Why is bank on yourself worth it for me? That's a great question. Very lucid, very honest question. And I want to explain with each of these top 10 questions, I want to first start with why this question is important. So in this case, I really appreciate the question uh, because it really gives credence to the fact that we are all working on a timeline toward a certain goal. Maybe it's retirement, maybe it's your kid's college, whatever your timeline and objective is. And some of us have to play catch up with our financial plans. Maybe we've either missed opportunities, financial opportunities in the past to save or prepare for the future. Or we've taken significant risk with our investments that turned out poorly. Man, I've met so many people who've lost large chunks of their money to market volatility or other speculative investments with a business or a friend. And by the way, if you've got too many candles on a birthday cake and not enough dollars in the 401k, we very often feel a sense of urgency and anxiety. Looking at that cash value, the life insurance cash values on illustrations and spreadsheets that the insurance companies give us, there are certainly some real expenses, especially in the first few years. And piling insurance expenses on top of a late retirement starting plan can feel like a bad move. But let's take a closer look at this. Now, while I certainly understand the sentiment, and it certainly does take a number of years for your cash value to break even with your total contributions, let's talk about another elephant in the room. I mean, let's have some honest talk here. It's always important to ask the question, compared to what? That's the question I love to ask. Compared to what? Is bank on yourself worth it? Compared to what? 
you know, what makes you think that you'll be able to create a significant retirement income sooner than 10 years in any other financial vehicle? Let's say, for example, that you're 60 years old and you have a plan and capacity to fund a whole life insurance policy or some financial vehicle at 2000 bucks a month. That's your budget. That's what you can set aside is 2000 bucks a month for the next 10 years. Let's assume in this scenario that you have no other lump sums or other cash that you can put into the policy to kickstart that policy's value. All you've got is 2000 bucks a month. Is whole life insurance a good place to keep that money and let it grow for 10 years? Well, again, compared to what? Think of how this compares to other assets like real estate or the stock market. If you've got just 10 years to put your money away, could you really buy a bunch of real estate saving up only 2000 bucks a month? I mean, would you really have enough money and time over just 10 years to save up for the down payments, to pay for expenses, to pay for property taxes, and to completely pay off any mortgages? I'm guessing probably not. You'd likely have a big mortgage on that real estate that would last for decades into your retirement years. And, you know, as I think about it, isn't there a risk of non-paying tenants? Yeah, you betcha. Or what about market downturns? Yeah, definitely. Now, let's think about the stock market. Could you have more in retirement by investing 2000 bucks into the stock market? If you've got just 10 years to go before retirement, maybe. And then again, maybe not. Most financial planners would tell you not to invest heavily in stocks. If you have just a 10-year time horizon and need that retirement to start in just 10 years, that's too short a time horizon you know, to invest heavily into stocks. If you're looking to get money out of the stock market within 10 years, most financial planners would say, that's just too short a time horizon. Too many things could go wrong on that quixotic investment journey. You might have gains in the market one year, but then again, what's to say you'll even have all of your cash that you sunk into your Enron stock back when it's time to take the money out for groceries or your pets.com stock when it's time to send the grandkids to Disney World. What about your stock market portfolio? There's too many question marks uh, with just 10 years to go before you retire. So real estate, stock market, both of them are potential gains or losses when compared with bank on yourself. Now, here are the reasons why bank on yourself is worth it. Even if you've only got 10 years to go, and even if it takes a number of years for your cash value to break even. First, out of two reasons here, uh, is there's no other financial vehicle other than cash value life insurance that can leverage your premium into a tax-free death benefit. Right now, I'm in my late 30s. But this still makes sense even if you're in your late 50s or 60s. And I put my money where my mouth is. I own and pay for a policy on a family member who's in their late 50s. And I plan to fund that policy for 10 years. At the end of 10 years, the cash value will be more than my contributions and will never need to pay for that policy ever again. And it will have an income tax-free death benefit equal to about 250% more than the premium I paid in. And that ratio would just continue to increase over the years, the longer this person lives. And of course, at the end of the first policy year, the death benefit is about 16 times my first year's premium. Amazing. Now that's the first reason, the death benefit, tax-free, leveraging that to give your family more than you could save. But there's a second reason. Unless you've got other sizable retirement accounts like 401ks, IRAs, and you've only got 10 years to go and you can only save 2000 bucks a month, you're very likely going to need to keep working to earn enough income past the present point. 
thus you're going to have cash flow to fund your life insurance policy into retirement. And if you do have these other retirement accounts, like IRAs, 401ks, and more, they're going to be taxable qualified accounts. So I suggest typically in most circumstances, you should tap the taxable accounts first, meaning spend down your taxable IRA, spend down your taxable 401k in the early years of your retirement, thus allowing your cash value in your life insurance policy to build to an even greater extent before you start taking it for tax-free income in the future. Think of it. If taxes are going to rise over your retirement, wouldn't it make more sense to spend down your IRA or 401k earlier and let your life insurance, which is you know, under tax laws, tax-free, wouldn't you want that to grow to its greatest extent before you start taking that income out of the life insurance? To me, I really don't see a better or even any other option uh, when it comes to just 10 years to go before retirement savings. So that is the first question. Let's move on. The next super tough question. Question number two. They say, Mark, can I make more money investing in my business or my real estate this year and then start a policy maybe three to five years from now using the profits of my real estate success or my stock market success or my business's success? Why would I miss out on the opportunity right now while my market is hot? Boy, that's such a great question. Here's why it's so important. It really gets to the heart of what is the best opportunity for my money today. What is the best opportunity for my money today? That's probably the question running through everyone's mind. And that's true when you're sitting in line at the Starbucks drive-through, wondering what's the best opportunity for that money burning a hole in your pocket today. Is it going to be a latte or is it going to be a uh, inexpensive coffee? So that's the question. But it is also the question when it comes to dealing with large sums of cash, should you put that toward a very high growth business investment or a real estate deal? or put it into your policy first. Some people make a great point here because if you can make a ton of money in your business in three to five years, you'd have even more money to fund your life insurance policy. So it's a great question. And, he's, and, and they're exactly right. You know, you might get four or even 10 times your money back when you invest your money into inventory in your business. We have a lot of e-commerce business owners who are clients of ours, uh, for sake of example here, and they have an incredible return on their inventory. So why would they put their money into boring old life insurance and have to experience some of the loss of purchasing power when they buy a policy? Even a well-designed bank-on-yourself type whole life policy are going to have some expenses in those early years. So for example, let's say you put $10,000 into a whole life policy designed the bank-on-yourself way. You might have somewhere between $6,500 and $8,000 available in the first year. Now, that is incredibly efficient for life insurance, but that still means that you lost some of your dollars to the death benefit, meaning you couldn't borrow all 10 grand against your policy in the first year uh, to put that money to work in your business. Some people look at that delta there, that cost between what you put into the policy and what you've got in the first year, and they look at that and that they think that that represents a real deal breaker for them. But here's my thoughts on this. So first, you say in this example here, that you have the funds to invest, quote, invest in your business or real estate right now. Why not put those funds into a bank on yourself type policy right now, and then take a policy loan to use for the investment? That way you've still got the insurability and the death benefit of life insurance locked in upfront. And you're going to have guaranteed growth, whether your business investment takes off and makes a profit or fails. 
So that's my first response. The other is, hey, you know what? There's no guarantee that your business or real estate uh, investment or the real estate market will stay hot over the next three to five years. People thought in 2007, they could just keep rolling right along. What if your investment crashes? What if your business fails? Well, then unfortunately, you've lost the money you invested in your business. You don't have the earnings of the whole life policies growth. And maybe most importantly, you lost the years you spent chasing a fool's errand. While we can't not control the outcome of real estate markets or business or the stock market, why not keep the policy growing as early as possible? We cannot get years back on our lifespan. We can't get compounding back once we've missed that opportunity. We don't know what the real estate or the stock market might do, but we do know at least we can hold on to the time we spent. And that means using the policy to grow. That's two out of three anyway, time and guaranteed growth in the policy. So as the old saying goes, two out of three ain't bad. Third reason and response here I'd make to this great question is that, you know what? Good health is never guaranteed. If your health changes, let's say over the next three to five years, as you're working so hard in your business, you might become uninsurable. You know, you might want to put off starting your policy while the business is roaring, your real estate market opportunities are abundant, but what's to say you could start your policy in three to five years from now when things have really cooled off? You might not have the opportunity to start a policy a few years from now. Case in point here, quick story. I had a gentleman who talked to me uh, about two or three years ago, and he was looking into starting a policy. He ultimately decided against it at that time as he was really running a just an incredible business out in the far Midwest. But about a month ago, he called me again and asked if he could talk. He'd been given a diagnosis by the doctor, unfortunately, rendering him uninsurable. He had no life insurance at all for his kids or his wife. He wanted to leave something to his family, but we were unable to do anything for him except get a policy on his spouse. While that was certainly a huge benefit for her, and it will be a major gift that she'll have if he should pass away, uh, his original plan to call me was to start a policy in a few more years after his business was more profitable. That was the game plan. We put everything on hold to wait for his business, and unfortunately, life got in the way. The next kind of thought that comes to my mind in this great question of, hey, Mark, should I just should I just run hard on my business for a few years, then start my policy? Uh, the final, I guess, comment here I'd make is that with life insurance, time is your friend. But without life insurance, time is your enemy. Why? Because a bank on yourself design type whole life insurance policy gets better every single year. More efficient every single year. And there's nothing we can do about it. Exponential growth just happens. It just happens. It just works, regardless of what the stock or real estate market does. So I want you to think about how you love the investing that you're doing today, whether it's the stock market or your personal business or real estate. Do you think that your love for these investments and your practice, your business, do you think that that's just going to suddenly stop in three to five years? Probably not. Wouldn't you want your policy growing more efficiently then as well? Uh, is this the last real estate deal that you think you'll ever do in your lifetime or the last business opportunity that you'll ever have? When do you want your money growing at its fastest? For me personally, I'd prefer to get the costs of the policy out of the way so I have an entire lifetime of ever more efficient growth inside my policy. I want to give my future self even more opportunities so I can take advantage of even more opportunities for my business, which I hope lends itself to a bigger and brighter future. One of my life principles 
that I like to keep in mind and in my heart is the phrase, there's always more where that came from. If you're multitasking, just come back to me for a quick minute and let that sink in the phrase that there's always more where that came from. That is a phrase you could live with, I'm telling you. And it certainly holds true with your business opportunities, your investments, and thankfully, there's always more guaranteed growth of your whole life insurance policy. That's the power of the strategy. There's always more where that came from. Do not shortchange your lifetime growth by foregoing a policy to chase this year's investment rate of return. So that is the second tough question. Let me move on now. The third one, this is a doozy here. So tough question number three, this is a question that comes up quite often and I get a lot and I have it myself. So let's just get right on into it. The question is this, Mark, if past performance is no indication of future results, how can you say with any kind of confidence or assurance that the insurance company that you recommend is going to be able to meet all of these guarantees, all these obligations? How can I be sure my life insurance policy will come through on its guarantee? Or maybe it's the annuity. How, how can I be sure this annuity is really going to give me a lifetime income? Another smart, very intelligent question. And it's such an important question. Usually it's the most insightful people that are asking me this question. They realize that what the guarantees of life insurance are, are only as good as the company offering that guarantee. I mean, we could put the word guarantee on a box and it's only as good as whatever's in that box and whoever put the word guarantee on the box, right? There's your Tommy Boy reference. Anybody who loves Tommy Boy at mention me on social media, I'll know you're listening. I'll know you're a super fan. Now, I guess at some point, there's nothing on this side of heaven that's ultimately guaranteed. It still comes down to the company that we put our trust in, that we have to put our trust in that's going to be around for decades and even generations to come. So I'm always really happy to hear someone ask me this question because it proves that they're really willing and ready to look behind the curtain to see if this Wizard of Oz is just a man with smoke and mirrors or if it's the real deal. Now, in the case of guarantees made by life insurance companies, past performance really is indicative of future results. Here's what I mean. A company that's kept its promises every single year for well over 100 straight years, that would mean including the Great Depression, the Great Recession, and the pandemics of 1918, the economic busts of the 1970s, that these insurance companies are extremely likely to meet their obligations for the next 100 years. In addition, any company that I'd recommend for you has been rated highly by several independent rating agencies. These are people who look into the books, who evaluate the balance sheets of these insurance companies, and they regularly report on these to the general public so that we all know that these companies are safe and following their guidelines. That's super important because most companies have much poorer ratings. You know, there's 1,100 life insurance companies in the United States, and I don't do business with 99% of them. So I just want you to rest, be rest assured that when you work with me or one of our team members, that you're only working with the best companies out there. Now, if you want to hear more about a deep dive into my exploration of the financial strength of insurance companies that I like to work with, listen to episode 128, where we talk about seven reasons why Bank on Yourself is legitimately the real deal. And we show on the show notes there how these insurance companies allocate their funds, their resources to meet those guarantees for the next hundred years. That's great for number three. Let's move on to question number four, which is sort of related, but the question is, hey, wait a minute, Mark, aren't these insurance companies reliant on bonds? Can't bonds fail? 
That's a super tough question, really important question. And I'd like to just say that again, the insurance companies are only as good as their promises. So yes, the insurance companies that are recommended by me and other bank on yourself professionals have much of their assets in long-term investment grade fixed income assets like corporate bonds. Now that's a mouthful. So essentially imagine, uh, let's just say Apple wants to build another iPhone next year and they're going to need, let's just, I'll pick a number out of a hat here, but let's just say that they need $500 million to design this brand new device that we're all going to carry around in our pockets. So uh, Apple raises the cash. They go out and they issue a bond. And that bond uh, is picked up, meaning it's purchased by multiple major institutions. Uh, A vast majority of them would be life insurance and other insurance companies. And the insurance company will hand over Apple uh, 50, 100 million bucks, whatever it is, uh, to put toward that bond. And the obligation of Apple then is to pay the insurance company you know, pick a number, $100,000 for 10 years or whatever the math works out to there. That gives the cash flow that the insurance company needs to meet their obligations. And it gives Apple the cash that they need upfront to be able to build that new device. So everyone wins. Now, what if Apple went bankrupt? Well, I guess the first thing is stockholders would be net to zero. They'd be out first. Stock- stockholders always get the short stick whenever uh, Apple or another company goes through bankruptcy, but then the bondholders would be next. So, you know, the, the question, the tough question number four is, Mark, what happens if bonds fail? And we can look back, you know, when inflation drives up interest rates, bond rates usually and typically increase, which increase the policy's dividend. Okay, so right now we're in a low interest rate environment, but when bond rates increase, we can see the policy dividends increase as well. And this is precisely what happened during high inflation periods of the past. In fact, go back to 1920. So it's, it's really interesting to note this, guys, that since 1920, over 100 years now, according to Federal Reserve economic data, corporate bond yields have almost always been higher than inflation. So that's a big deal. The stuff that insurance companies are investing in has almost always been higher than the rate of inflation. And my personal belief is that the key and primary goal for rate of return in your portfolio should be to beat inflation. So the insurance companies that are recommended by myself and other bank on yourself professionals have the majority of their portfolio in investment grade fixed income assets. Again, less than one to 2% of their money is in US treasury or other government debt. Their bond portfolios are diversified, meaning that they cannot have more than 1% of their assets in one specific deal, which is a you know, big piece to the puzzle here. We need to be diversified among many industries, many companies. It's not all going to Apple, for example. Uh, So even if Apple went bankrupt, unfortunately, you'd be out the iPhone, but thankfully your cash value would still get that guaranteed increase. Now, due to the financial strength and reserves of these companies, they have the ability to hold on to their bond, even if it declines in value, because they're not worried about the bond's rate of return. They just want that coupon payment. They just want that cash coming from Apple or whatever company for the next 10 years or however long uh, so that they can meet their insurance death benefits and other obligations. In fact, most of these insurance companies had no exposure to risky investments that caused the market to melt down in 2008. And they're masters at under-promising and over-delivering and have truly never missed paying an annual dividend to policyholders for over 100 years, including the Great Depression. So I'd say that's pretty well worth it for me in terms of putting that money to work 
at these insurance companies? But it's a great question. Let's move on to the last one for today, which is tough question number five. And boy, I get this one a lot, especially among certain groups of people that love the spreadsheets. And that would be myself, by the way. <laughs> so here's the question. Hey, Mark, I love this bank on yourself thing. Love the concept. Why can't I just save it up in a regular bank account, pay cash for the big ticket item, and then pay myself back by saving it back up in the bank? Now, this is an important question. Here's why. Once again, a thoughtful, encouraging question. As with all really tough questions, there's some truth-seeking baked inside. Now, what's to say we couldn't forgo all this insurance nonsense? You know, hey, Mark, I love the bank on yourself concept, but why use life insurance policies? Let's just forgo all of these silly insurance expenses. Let's get rid of the policy loan interest. And let's just use a regular savings account or a shoebox or a bank CD instead. You know, Mark, I promise I'm going to be a good banker. I'll pay myself back. I can manage the money better than the insurance company. So I really do get this question quite a bit. It's a smart question. I've been asked this many times. We've actually created a video on this. You can go to YouTube and just search for debt saver wealth creator staircase. Just search for that phrase. Or if you want, you can find the link in our show notes. Or if you're a listener, you, you can also listen to episode 71. Uh, episode 71 is by the same title, Debt Saver Wealth Creator, What Staircase Are You Climbing? So check out episode 71. But let, let me answer this great and very tough question. So you see, when you put money into a part of the whole life policy called a paid up additions rider inside your whole life policy, that paid up additions rider grows on a predictable schedule for the rest of your life. You also have liquid access to this money, typically with no taxes due. Even when you're accessing this money, it continues to grow and compound as if you hadn't accessed the money in the first place. So show me a savings account that can do all of that or even any of that. Yes, when you borrow from your policy, you pay down some loan interest whenever you do that, but those are pennies compared to the dollars that your cash value grows to over your lifetime. So for example, a 22-year-old, if you put as a 22-year-old person a $1, just $1 into your paid up additions, you'd see that $1 grow with a high degree of confidence and certainty to $37.50 by the end of your lifetime. That's incredible. Even if you access that dollar four different times, buying four cars, let's say, you'd only pay about 52 cents in interest on that dollar. That'd be about 13 cents per loan times four loans. That's still $36.98 for every single dollar you put into paid up additions at age 22. Now, a lot of folks say, well, Mark, hey, that's great for the 22-year-old, but I'm a little bit older than that. <laughs> I'd say, yeah, it still works. Even at age 45, $1 grows to $9 over your lifetime. At age 60, it grows from $1 to $4.80. Literally, you can still quadruple your money even at age 60. Now, if you had a strategy where for every single dollar you put into that strategy, that dollar would grow stay protected and even grow to $9 over your lifetime. And at the same time, you could borrow that dollar and pay it back with interest over and over and over again. And even though you did that, you'd still end up with $8.50 for each dollar you put in there. If you had that strategy, how many dollars would you want to put in there? For me, it's as many as I could. That's my personal answer to that question. But if you want to see this in action, uh, you can see Jim 
Conrad's dollar diagram presentation. You can find it on YouTube. Just type in Jim Conrad dollar diagram and you'll see this in live action. It's so incredible. It's a thing to behold. So saving money in a bank on yourself policy first and then using it for major purchases allows that money to continuously compound even when you spend it or invest it elsewhere. It solves that problem of continuously having to interrupt your growth of your money when you spend it. What other financial vehicle do you know that will give you that advantage? Find it and tell me, please. If I could be talking about anything other than life insurance, I would be telling you guys about this. But right now, that's the only tool I'm aware of that can meet and exceed all these expectations we have for our cash. So as we wrap up here, does having your money safe and available for whatever you need take away any of your options? Let me ask that question one last time. Does having your money safe and available for whatever you need take away any of your options? Or does it give you more options? So this ends part one. We've got another five tough questions. We really tried to push as hard as we could uh, into this. And the harder you push, the more interesting insights appear. So we're going to do a part two next week, but I got to make you wait. In the meantime, what tough questions do you have? This is a moment where you can bring your toughest questions uh, to me or, or other experts and you can go to notyouraverage.mn.co to leave that question. It's our free membership site, and you're invited. If you can join us at notyouraverage.mn.co and ask your toughest question, bring it. I'm telling you, bring it. Uh, we're ready. If we've found some something interesting here, we want you to know about it. If it's poked through full of holes, then we need to know about that too. We got a lot of clients to tell pretty quick. So again, this ends part one, get ready for part two. And I want to thank you for joining me for this week's episode of Not Your Average Financial Podcast, helping you think and live differently with your money, your economy, and your future. This has been another episode of the Not Your Average Financial Podcast. To join a financial revolution and start thinking different about money, go to www.nyafinancialpodcast.com and click Request a Meeting. The topics presented in this podcast are for general information only and not for the purposes of providing legal, accounting, or investment advice. On such matters, please consult a professional who knows your specific situation.